What are you going to do? To smoke. It is quite a three-pipe problem. And I beg that you won't speak to me for 50 minutes. Welcome uh, to week four of Trump Watch. We are in <laughs> the brave new world. And already he's he's made some interesting choices and got the ire of most world leaders, most of his countrymen. And we're all not dead yet. Just about. Until that war with China starts. Sarah, how are you? Uh, hum- humbled and... Uh, <laughs> Good word, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know, some other word that means humbled because of mm. how wonderful Trump is oh, mm-hmm. and how much we should all worship is, the is ground. That, what is that a gun to your head right now? Are you, oh, that's, that's happening. A, f- a freedom stick, I think you'll find, yes. Oh, the old freedom stick. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yes, I, I'm Richard again, hello. Uh, this is once more the Film Ireland podcast where we're discussing <laughs> politics, freedom sticks and I guess nominally movies. Uh, before we hit up some reviews, hit up. God, oh, yeah. <laughs> the 90s has returned. Um, ADIF, or the Audi... Is it... It's ADIF technically, but I keep seeing it as DIF most places. So the, yeah. the DIF sounds stupid. Mm. Anyway, the Dublin International Film Festival is starting this Friday? This week. Yes. <laughs> In the next seven days. There, there are many good films there for you to put your eyes near. In the interest of... Things you should have sold at you via the medium of promotion. Actually, John did an interview with Neve Algar for um, Without Name, which is an Irish horror film. Of which, of which there are a good few actually in the film festival this year. I think most years have a good few Irish horror films because we have a, a good good woods, I suppose, around this country for filming Irish mm. horror movies. Uh, Neve was also the lead in a film from a few years back about a bog vampire, which is quite decent, uh, quite well shot, certainly. She was very good in it, so if she's as good now as she was two years ago then it'll be a good movie so do listen to Giles' interview with her about without name it's about forests and scary times uh, additionally uh, in terms of adif there's a few things that look quite good uh, personally i'm looking forward very much to the david lynch documentary which i think is called the art life which started life as lynch 3 in 2009 i think and it's taken this long to get it made so it better be good. I think it's like 85 minutes long. It makes me very sad. Given that it took like 10 years to make, but whatever. Uh, there's an Irish film called Nails, which sounds pretty interesting. It's about a woman stuck in hospital and she can't speak only through like a voice modulator thing. I think Ross Noble's in it too. And there's an entity in the hospital or something. Um, but it does sound quite good. I'd also say Berlin Syndrome sounds nice. Well, not nice. It's about kidnapping. Uh, yeah. But it sounds fun. There's a great movie called Catfight. The thumbnail of which is just two women sort of half facing the camera with their like scratching their eyes out. And that tells you everything about that movie in one go, I feel. Mm. And I want to see it. Not because I'm a sexist that likes watching women fight, just because <laughs> that seems like solid marketing. It, it's your whole concept and a name and one single image. Uh, anything attracting you, Sarah, to the festival? Um, I'm going to see Unless, which is very... Just to bring the... Make it a little bit sadder. It's oh, yeah. about a homeless woman in Canada. So, you know, if you want to see homeless people, you should see this movie. Does, does, is it a heartwarming tale of her gaining superpowers or perhaps a house? Um, pro- probably more like the second. Mm, but um, mm. yeah, I think it's I think it's possibly to hold through the eyes of her father, who uh, basically has been estranged with her and finds her years later. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it looks like it will be good. I don't know that we'll have that many laughs. So. <laughs> 
Well, as we get to some films later on, just because a film isn't a comedy doesn't mean you can't laugh at it. No. <laughs> uh, but before we jump into film reviews, um, we both saw the most recent season of Sherlock, and I think we both have thoughts on it. Mm. I think we might have had a conversation off mic a few weeks ago at a party, actually. But uh, yes, Sherlock used to be one of the best shows on television. Uh, it was always kind of a little bit cheesy and hokey mm. and... Not particularly deep, but uh, now it's just a big pile of shite. Yeah. And hopefully this is the last season and they should just absolutely stop and make no more of these. Mm-hmm. Sarah, uh, any redeeming qualities of season four? Actually, before we do that, any, <laughs> what were your thoughts on seasons like one, two, three? First two seasons, really solid. Although I think even then, yeah, as you say, it was always like there was always a little bit of hokiness. Like I, out of the three episodes, there was always one that I was like, well, that doesn't actually make any sense. Yeah had fun but you mm. know I don't, don't buy it at all but the third season was terrible that, yeah. that was the getting married and yeah the like, wedding episode is probably uh, yeah, the second wedding, worst episode of all of them yeah the worst one is the abominable bride obviously that, yeah. that was just horrendous. yes but like it was i guess it was obviously around that time that the, the writers realized oh hang on we have a giant fan base of teenage girls who just want to see them kiss so let's 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 tease that in every episode. Uh, yeah. Which they always kind of did, but I feel they did it more pointedly in season three yeah. to the point that everyone, apparently, I, I'm going about my sources inside Tumblr who tell <laughs> me that season four, everyone assumed it was just going to happen. Really? And when it didn't happen, they've all apparently like just set fire oh. to themselves. So. Good. Yeah, no, Maybe. good. I agree. I think it's really funny. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. I mean, sad for them that they got yeah. that invested and Moffat and Gators managed to trick them for whatever. Well, how long is this going on now? Seven years? Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that's funny in my mind too. Yeah, I think season one and two were great. I think if they'd shown them in cinemas, I'd have paid money to see them. Not so much the middle episode of either season, mm. but there's a good four episodes there. Season three, I tried to make sense of in my head and tried to make myself like, but it's not very good. Mm. The the Victorian set Abominable Bride is oh just gosh. horrendous. Yeah. And then season four was, I think, better than season three on the whole, but still not good, per se. Yeah. I, I, well, no, I, I think possibly just like maybe season three, like lowered our expectations mm. so much that, yeah, I think I know I went into season four just thinking like, I just want to see stupid stuff happen now. <laughs> like, I don't, don't expect Well, you got that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that last episode was something else. Yeah. Um, as people have pointed out, the first couple of seasons... Well, you wouldn't really be able to guess the plots. At least everything had a basis in yeah, the screenplay. Like absolutely. there was all these points set up earlier on that if you really thought about it, you could probably work out mm. the narrative or the, the end goal. That last episode of the season four was just, here's a random reveal. Here's a new mm. random reveal. Here's outright like lying to the audience with that nonsense of the plane, the child. Mm-hmm. For those who didn't see it, it starts off with the framing device of there being a child waking up on a plane. Everyone's dead or unconscious. The plane's going to crash eventually and she gets intermittent phone call to Sherlock like a minute at a time to talk to him so he can like reason a way of saving her and the plane. Turns out at the end that the plane isn't real and the little girl is just the occasional psychotic break slash alternate personality of his sister who is the main villain who is secretly like a Hannibal Lecter mind controlling super villain that's been here the whole time. And she just relapsed into this childlike state because she's sad and lonely. Mm. <laughs> so there was no plane, which is fine, except that they showed the plane yeah. and they showed the child. And if they hadn't shown that, you can just about get away with lying that way to an audience. It's just really lazy to show yeah. the plane and bad storytelling. Uh, but yeah, season four was 
crap. Season episode two was good. I enjoyed that one a fair bit mm. with the the very thinly veiled Jimmy Savile analog <laughs> played by Toby Jones. True, yeah. Great, good fun. That was a good. That felt like season one or two as well. Like that was a mm. straightforward enough mystery. There was no ridiculous reveals part at the end. Yeah. Um. But episode one was pretty horrendous. Mm. Like the whole Mary's a secret agent thing was kind of funny as yeah. a throwaway explanation, but seeing it happen was really shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember watching that that episode and thinking like oh yeah Sherlock is just like oh okay he's following her around the world because he's so smart that he can figure mm-hmm. out where, where she is and everything but then once that happened it was like wait hasn't he put everyone in like loads of danger wasn't that a really bad thing to do so he, I don't he know. doesn't care because he's, he's aloof yeah, um, depending on how they so. write him for a scene <laughs> he's either incredibly human and struggling with it or a psychopath who doesn't know what you know the yeah. sun is or something whatever the <laughs> the scene requires Yes, because I actually caught episode one again. I was on TV the other night. I was watching it, and this is actually really good. This was so good, and mm. he made sense as a character, and the world made sense, and they were nicely contained storylines. Not, not, goddamn Joker come Hannibal Lecter come. Who's a psychic character in film? I don't know. She's psychic anyway, just running yeah. the asylum she's in and pretending there's glass walls when there isn't, and yeah. tricking good like. Oh, there's so many bits that I kind of want to like but really hated mm. and just going through all these rooms like it's a game show and oh yeah it was really bad mm. and also like the way the budgets clearly got too high as well yeah to yeah. the point that you have that arbitrary car chase in episode 2 which adds nothing except the fact that they could go look we could hire an Aston Martin for a scene <laughs> for no reason and put it in there yeah or like the, the over the top production design that, like in the first two seasons there was little bits of visual cleverness that would like mm. have something on screen or they'd sort of literalize something within the space of the scene that would be kind of cool and fun like the couch coming to meet him in episode in season two yeah, yeah that was fine this one is just everything's at the screen there's all these like ridiculous transitions and edits where it's just it's like the episode one all the sh- constant sharks and like underwater stuff for no reason mm. and they're just the budget was too high they were stuck up their own arses they can't write this stuff anymore just please let it die yeah that's my round over you can go well, this is slightly slightly off what the episode we were talking about because uh, uh, this is back to the abominable brush mm-hmm. you you've read some of the the original about half i'd say yeah <laughs> wow that's that's impressive they're hard to read <laughs> <laughs> what has me wondering is um mycroft's character I, I presume that in the original stories is he supposed to be like a gourmand notoriously fat yes yes okay um yes so i actually i didn't know that but you can kind of infer that from the well from the fact that he is so health conscious in the mm, yeah current. that's that's the joke the, yeah yeah exactly with even without reading them i was watching the Abom- abominable bride i was thinking like this is, i guess it's supposed to be a joke that he is uh, horrifically over overweight now but it's like no but no but that's the original thing so that's not a joke that's just like you've done yeah the thing, and now you're claiming <laughs> that you're smart for doing it that's a, a fair point <laughs> um I guess because they made it so grotesquely fat. Like, yeah. that they made him like so comedically overeating <laughs> that that was the joke that even by the standards of the original novel he was somehow worse. Or yeah. Sort, I don't know. I, I guess that's also... That's a fair point though. I but, hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, but I mean, but it also makes me wonder like, can we ever have like one sort of ta- tasteful representation of obesity? Like, do we always no. have to make it a big joke? Because like... A big joke to you there. Yeah. But I'm bummed. I don't know, but it's just like if that's the level of your like storytelling. 
And I know that that's okay. The worst episode, maybe not, not as bad in season mm. four, but it's like if you're going that low, it's bad. It is bad. Uh, but even thinking about the Jimmy Savile thing, like I, I'm of two minds about it because I feel yeah. like the BBC obviously sheltered him for years. Yeah. So then they're going, oh, look what a monster Jimmy Savile was <laughs> wing. Like you don't really, you you can't yeah, get away with that. That is very joke true. Actually, to, I don't think. Yeah. Like, your penance isn't finished. This, yeah. It just doesn't make up for all those years. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, mm. so Sherlock. Mm. It's not very good. No, and it used to be so good. Yeah. But luckily, its stars are now so famous that they can't do the show anymore because <laughs> they're too busy. So hopefully we'll never see it again. Mm-hmm. I've got like a one-off special in 10 years' time and they're both kind of older. And it'll, ugh, just did stop. You, actually, did you think that the, the very end of the last episode where they're like running out... The superhero the, shot? Super, yeah. yeah. Like... It, I, are they going to be the next, like, Batman and Robin? Is <laughs> no. It would know, be a good way for Zack Snyder to go, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> he... I, I mean, I, say, I wouldn't want to see him direct an episode, but thinking <laughs> about it, he couldn't be any more visually overwrought than they already were. So, yeah, yeah. okay, sure. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> what the fuck All else right. could go wrong? We're giving you permission. Zach, <laughs> Zach. go for it. Um, yes, great. So, from one end spectrum to the opposite, let's go into some movie reviews. Uh, I'm going to start with Silence, which, uh, yeah, fair warning, me and Sarah did not coordinate well in the last month in terms of our viewing patterns, but we both saw an awful lot of things, just not the same things, which is good, I suppose, in many ways. But uh, expect one voice intermittently alternating for a while. So, Silence. Martin Scorsese's, is it magnum opus a fair phrase to use? His passion project he's been trying to get made for the last 20 more maybe years. About Jesuit priests in Japan in the 1800s, 1700s? Far away, long time ago. And the persecution thereof, because Christianity was outlawed there, and uh, priests were routinely crucified and beaten, tortured, made to relinquish their religion. You know, it's all very allegorical for the modern times, whatever. Uh, It's not great, if I'm (laughs) honest. It's almost three hours long. The if you like if you really like Andrew Garfield, okay. you might find something of enjoyment in this. I personally thought he was crap. He's not crap. He's he's Andrew, he's Andrew Garfield. He's the same as he always is. He's kind of whiny but vaguely likable in a boyish charm kind of way. But he can't really carry a whole movie as that. Additionally, his character is thoroughly unlikable because he has this horrendous god complex and thinks he's there to save the religion, and very intentionally becomes visually more Jesus-like as the movie goes on. And just keep sacrificing people for the religion. And it, I feel it's very disingenuous coming from Catholicism or Christianity of all things. To be like, oh, we're so persecuted. Oh, look at the, the, the bad things happening to us. Yes, because you never did anything in the name of your own religion that like massacred hundreds of thousands of people. Liam Neeson figures prominently in the trailers, the marketing, and even the opening scene. He is in this for maybe 15 minutes in total. Yeah. It's the second such, uh, as I come to call it, Liam Neeson getting next three dazed, which is a film with Russell Crowe, the trailer of which showed Liam Neeson prominently. He had one scene, which was in the trailer in its entirety. Uh, so that, that was annoying. I will say it's up Oscar-wise for, I think, Best Cinematography, which is probably the only thing it deserves because yes, it does look very nice. Scorsese, obviously, is a master filmmaker. He can shoot a good movie. Although I suppose he didn't do the cinematography. Whatever. It looks nice. Um, there's some nice score. I think the overall message is, depending on how you want to read it, either very trite and obvious and doesn't deserve three hours of just this snail's pace of a film. Or, personally, I think it's just a bit 
irritating and offensive mm. and a bit all over <laughs> the place. And I, it made me both bored and angry. And I think I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could. <laughs> Because, yeah, the, we saw it, I saw it on cinema with John, actually, and we saw it on a regular kind of a fairly mainstream multiplex, which was some reason showing it. I think we kind of 13 walkouts. Wow. Yeah. I mean, nothing happens. For the, mm. <laughs> like, the last time I remember that happening was seeing Only God Forgives in the same cinema and, like, two or three walkouts. That's because mm-hmm. that was a weird movie. This one's yeah. just nothing happens. And I feel like people are like, oh, Liam Neeson's done it. Liam Neeson's good. Two hours in. Where's, <laughs> where's Liam? He's not coming. Mm. Um, yeah, it's... I, I can't see it having any audience on the home media. I think you need to watch it in the cinema if you're going to see it at all. I can't picture sitting down and watching this on like a Saturday afternoon mm. in your own home. Uh, yeah, cinematography good, score good, rest not great. There is one actor in it whose name I didn't look up because why would I? Mm. This is us, who plays the head inquisitor of the um, the bad guy, so to speak. And yeah. he's the one, aside from Liam Neeson's brief moments, he's the one ray of light in this entire thing because he's kind of over the top and seems like an Asian Emperor Palpatine from Star mm. Wars. <laughs> it's one brilliant moment. And if you can find this gift, do, where he gets exasperated with Andrew Garfield and quite visibly deflates like a balloon. And I'm not sure how the actor mm. did it, okay. but it's visually amazing <laughs> and very funny. Uh, it's kind of the reverse of the Nocturnal Animals jump scare thing. Where okay. like, Why is this in the film? <laughs> it's like a human balloon man deflating. Uh, yes, it's it's not. I hate calling it bad because I feel like mm. a philistine, but it's just sort of nothing. And it, sad and angry, sad and angry, bored and angry. Sorry. Um, so yeah, silence. Um, no thumbs up, mm. I suppose, on that one. Uh, from one Liam Neeson film to another, Sarah. Yeah. Um. So actually, this movie, I kind of feel you would like it. I heard it's quite dark. Yes. It is quite dark. Mm. Um, and actually, I suppose I'm not entirely sure that you would like it <laughs> per se, but if you had to pick, if you had to see a kid's movie, I think mm. this would be the kid's movie This for or you. Moana, like it'd be this. Yeah, possibly, yeah, because it's quite nihilistic. Oh, good. Excellent. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so it's a story of this... Um, did you say the name yet? Oh, did I not? I don't know okay. if we did. Well, did I we? will say now <laughs> that that was my hope, what I was getting to. Oh, sorry, so I apologize. This is A Monster Calls. It's actually quite a hard title because I keep going to say A Monster's Call. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. I don't know. I'm even thinking of Monster's Call. I can think of Monster's Ball. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I, I, I think, know. yeah. But anyway, so it's it's based on um, Patrick Ness's book. I think it came out just a few years ago. About um, uh, 12-year-old, I think. He's around 12. A uh, boy who's mum you soon find out her his mum is dying of cancer and it's pretty much his seems to be like his way of, of coping with it is getting visits from these this monster played by liam neeson and <laughs> i just had the, the idea of someone getting comfort from liam neeson's giant brooding voice in monster form it, it's just weird yeah no it is well actually that's the thing it's like he doesn't the monster just kind of appears out of nowhere mm. and it's not um it's not a particularly comforting guy or any uh, man, a monster man or anything. It like it comes out from this tree. They live in like the Scottish countryside. Yeah, he. I think it's Scotland. Oh, yeah, let's say Scotland. <laughs> Once again, our research is impeccable yeah. and top notch on this show, <laughs> Jonathan. Exactly, but um. I hope he listens still, or else that joke means I nothing know, to anyone. I think he does. <laughs> I think he does. But it, it's just it, it's it's quite refreshing because there's no sense of like 
everything is going to turn out okay. It's, it's oh, good. Really, it's really quite like, but it, I mean, it's also, it's not so nihilistic that it's sort of like, there's no point. Mm. We might as well all give up. He's quite a, obviously unhappy boy. He doesn't, he doesn't really, he doesn't have any friends at school. He, like he's bullied. He doesn't, he knows he's going to have to go and live with his, his granny who's Sigourney, Weed, Sigourney Weaver. Oh. Yes. And um, like, they don't get on. There's no real point of, oh, but everything is going to, it's gonna, all going to be great. It's like basically the, the, the most he can hope for is to come <laughs> to terms. A quick death. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that too, eventually. Is there a but, point where Liam Neeson kind of goes, here, use me, and then it's like a rope <laughs> appears down his arm and the child is seen oh, no. swinging from the monster? No, that would be telling. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most credit scene. Certainly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. wouldn't say it's a comforting movie, but it's, yeah. it's just quite pragmatic i guess which is quite nice to see i can thing i kept thinking of while watching it was miss peregrine's i was gonna ask is this kind of the movie that should have been crossbow school oh yeah yeah it's basically the antithesis of that in a lot of ways and it also i should say that the point is that the the monster comes and tells him a story each night it's as weird as it sounds (laughs) and they use the kind of um animation that was i'm sure it's been used in other things but Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One. You know, there's the sort of the there's CGI shadow puppet scene. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's sort of like that, but it, it's that they've taken that kind of idea and made it really good. Okay. So there's some really good, um, really good, like innovative use of visual storytelling going on as well. It's just a very good, very good movie, I think. Excellent. Very good. Uh, I suppose my question about it would be. Does it feel like a kid's film? Is it a thing you would mm-hmm. see people bringing children to? Or is it one of those kind of more sort of for adults, kids movies that yeah. kids shouldn't really watch? Yeah, it, it is kind of a good question. Because, yeah, I think if you bring a kid that's too young, that's really not a good idea. Mm-hmm. But um, if you brought a, a slightly older kid who is like maybe prepared, I think it could be quite good. Did you ever see actually The Bridge to Terabitha? No. It um, it's kind of similar to that, I think. Right. In that... That that was sort of nice pastoral movie where then it took a horrible turn that you you'd really want to know about if you're going to bring kids. So I definitely read, read about the turn, but I forget what it was. It's someone of cancer, possibly. But um, well, what happened in it was um, it's the girl dies, isn't she? Is yeah. Right? yeah. Um, spoilers. Sorry, spoiler, I, just yeah. I haven't yeah. seen it either, so I'm spoiling <laughs> for myself. But uh, no, I think it's that she she heads out into the backyard that they play in, mm-hmm. and she like drowns in like oh, a no, no. Okay. pond or something so yeah it's, it's not very nice in here but you no. know but I, I guess it is sort of aimed at least to kids in the hopes that like they will learn that to understand death or whatever you know like that's the thing about these movies i'm always of the fact that kids movies are too you know twee and nice and there's nothing no nothing in them but i'm also like i can't picture <laughs> myself as a child going i want to go to cinema and then like parents bring you and then it being this sort of horrible thing where because yeah. i know i know in monster calls what the allegory is meant to be mm-hmm. uh like, that doesn't sound pleasant <laughs> for a yeah. child like i'd watch that now yeah I'd probably yeah, laugh no, but you know i mean maybe yeah maybe you're right all right but i haven't said that we had been saying it recently that the um caliber of child acting is is really going this up is very maybe. true this is very true so i mean to be fair it could be a movie aimed at maybe older people and you can have a kid as the main character. Like that's it's is workable now because mm. it seems to be working. 
Good line, excellent. That's, that's a good <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, <laughs> do you want to go for one more while we're here? Alrighty. And then we'll move on to something else. I will talk about. Moana, Moana. What is it? How do you say it? Uh, I think it's Moana. Moana. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie I don't think that you would like so much. I didn't think so either. I heard the songs are great, but ugh. Yeah. I knew the rocks in them, and ugh. I like the rock, but not in mm-hmm. I don't know animated <laughs> form. <laughs> yes, fair enough. I was lis- I was listening to the the soundtrack again because I kind of thought seeing seeing it the first time I thought is good but I didn't think it was that memorable either but actually I really liked the soundtrack listening to it mm-hmm. again um so I think it's, it is really decent it's up for an Oscar isn't it one of the songs I think yeah yeah, yeah. and actually one of the songs at the beginning I think you might like right be- because it it sort of it, it suggests a movie that okay is never going to be made because it's a Disney movie but it's it's a song about how wonderful this Polynesian paradise they live in is. But every now and again during the song, and someone mentions like, "Oh, and you can never leave," or like, <laughs> okay. like the, the island is enough yeah. for us, and don't try and leave it. It sort of hints at some sort of creepy, like that, yeah, <laughs> type of I don't know prisoner type situation. Mm. That it, okay, it's not going to happen because yeah, it's it's a film about kid finding their way in the world and how wonderful that is yawn but the song itself is in in isolation is quite creepy right I love so that one, then. yeah that sounds good please do um other than that visually it's great and the sidekick character they're not the sidekick character but the like animal character is probably like the most annoying of all uh, <laughs> animal sidekick characters high praise indeed so yeah they're doing something. Who's voicing it? What's wrong with Alan it? Alan Tudyk, I think. And oh, no way, really? Yeah, ah. yeah. No, to be fair, it's <laughs> obviously the... It's a chicken. And it's uh-huh. it's not the chicken noises that are necessarily wrong. <laughs> but all the chicken does is try to kill itself. <laughs> like, they're on a boat a lot of the time and it just keeps trying to run off into the sea. That's pretty much the extent of it. Is it like an existential chicken that I mean, wants maybe. to? End? Oh, yeah. like so maybe. Does he give reasons for what he's trying? No, to No, it doesn't. Oh. Doesn't talk. It just makes. It just squawks. Wait, so Tudyk voices it, but doesn't actually doesn't have a voice. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, That's perplexing. Yeah. Why maybe, do you get him? I, I don't know. Maybe it's a nihilistic chicken. Maybe like it's. <laughs> well, if I can't, if it, so... if it can't express itself, then I don't know it's nihilistic. <laughs> I can't enjoy that fat, can I? Yeah, true. You've had like Fraser Crane's voice, and I was just like bemoaning its existence. Mm. That'll be fine. <laughs> Even Alan Tudyk's voice, I suppose. Yeah. Ugh, why is he? Why? God, I really hope I have that right now. <laughs> Imagine if it's just it's not. It's just a some random voice actor. Yeah. Or they or they just it was just one of those things where they like they had like a button on a soundboard, just like yeah, it sounds enough like a chicken. What makes you think it was Alan Tudyk? Well, I'm pretty sure I read that it was. All right. <laughs> but, you know, as you said, our research not that great. So, And when we can't name someone, they might not even be in that movie. Yeah. So this is why we just don't name names. It's easier this way. We can't be wrong. Well, yeah. Uh, okay, fine. Right. So from Moana to... Uh, yeah. So Richard saw a lot of shit this month. Sarah saw mm. all the Oscar movies. I have not. <laughs> I saw Underworld 5, which I was very excited for because I, I love the Underworld movies. They're very bad. And it's bizarre to me that here we are 15 years later mm. and they're still going. They're still probably the one thing Kate Beckinsale is largely known for. I kind of feel bad for her because Love and Friendship was so good. And then the same kind of three months span or no, six months span. Here's this again. Uh, this is especially terrible, even within the franchise's esteemed record, uh, for being one of the worst edited films I've ever seen. It's genuinely impressive in that they 
because I think that the fourth film is only like 82 minutes long it's really short but it's oh. it's quite well done for an action movie like it's not groundbreaking but it's fun it's fine it moves along fast enough this one they clearly got a bit antsy that the running time was maybe hitting the 90 minute mark oh, uh, oh this is getting a bit <laughs> luxurious for one of these films and has hacked it to the bone so every single dialogue exchange every breath is cut out every look is cut out it's just words 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 words, words. so conversations change yeah. topic at random intonations are lost because there's no pausing it's really funny but it just doesn't because also you have like charles dan saying all these lines but then he's edited so badly and it uh but the cast are quite fun so you got kate beckinsale who's still pretty solid at doing this kind of stuff she, she's fine running around in leather bodice just shooting things <laughs> and being all like i'm finished with this war but then having to shoot more things Lara pulver of sherlock fame um mm is one of the villains she's quite fun she's just incredibly camp and i'd I'd compare her performance to jeremy irons in dungeons and dragons she's just screaming at the roof a lot and just covered in blood and one thing that annoyed me is this one of those rare films that shows uh a female receiving oral sex which is good because you know sexual representation (laughs) sarah it's okay okay. you don't see anything it's always implied (laughs) but it's you know sex positive sex positivity it should be in more films unfortunately it's used here as her oh, no. showing her dominance over like a male lackey oh yay so <laughs> it's just her talking to him and him you know trying to input in the plan and her just basically going no 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 you shush now and it's like lowering his head to her crotch <laughs> well the camera zooms in on her face and she kind of just sighs pleasantly to herself and then ne- next scene mm-hmm. so that scene was left in its entirety but the dialogue oh, yeah. was cut to shit <laughs> Uh, it's very silly. It makes no sense. There's a great bit near the end where two of the the main, one of the main heroes, who's not Kate Beckinsale, and the main villain guy, they're both basically impervious to damage. So they're just walking towards each other, screaming in a very manly way, and shooting bullets that do nothing into each other. Mm. And it's just absolute nonsense. Uh, I don't care about ruining this. Kate Beckinsale at the end has a big fight with the big werewolf man. It goes on for way too long. Uh, I think she finds out through. Because blood equals memories in this, so if you drink blood, you get the memories of the people that had the. Yeah. It was in there. Yeah, she finds out that arbitrarily he killed her husband from the last two movies because the actor didn't come back, oh. so he's dead now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she has a bit of a sad off, knocks herself in a giant cage, and drinks her own blood, so she has happy memories again. Ooh, and then just pulls the gross. villain's spine out of nowhere. Okay. Apparently, she could do that the whole time, and just didn't do it for the last half an hour. It's very funny, but it, mm. it's not good filmmaking. Okay. Um, but I did laugh like the whole way through and I'd recommend it highly. Everyone go see it because it makes money. They'll make more of these <laughs> and I want more of these. Did, did I hear, did you say it possibly that um, this film is predicated on you knowing a character from the first movie, from like the first oh. scene from the first movie or something? Yeah, there's a twist because this was originally conceived of as being a spin-off film that would have not featured Kate Beckinsale because they rightly assumed she's got to okay. be doing this by now. She's not coming back wow. for any more guys. We're getting her back. So Charles Dance's son who's in the last one, was meant to be the main character in this one, but then Kate Beckinsale came back, so they clearly had that script already written, and he's sort of as much the main character as she is, but his origins are kind of more, no one cares about this, mm. are revealed <laughs> a bit more, and it's a character who was in the first film, who had no dialogue, okay. and who died the second she showed up. Because uh, okay. Underworld backstory, right, so in this universe... <laughs> The way the vampires survive is they have three elders. Bill Nye was one. She was another one. And then some of the actors was the third one. Uh, so once the, all the others all the are now dead in the narrative. Uh, Bill Nye died in the first one, but has still been in every film since through flashbacks. Yeah. I don't know why he keeps doing it. Wow. 
<laughs> he's really fun actually these. Bill Nye is great in these um, and then she was killed like instantly in the first film okay. but it's I think because kind of like Resident Evil which we'll get to in a minute there's just such a scorched earth policy to do with the characters that we don't need these people because Kate Beckinsale is the main character so kill everyone else off okay. for hmm. blood and gore reasons that they have no characters left for there to be dramatic <laughs> reveals with so it's just, let's just use this one named character we haven't okay. used yet but no one knows the underworld storyline. Mm. I only remember who she was because I watched one and two before seeing this like the night beforehand. Okay. There's a big long exposition previously on at the start of the movie but even then wow. no one cares. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> uh, like, I like the... I don't even care but yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's out of cinemas now but you know everyone buy it on DVD and make more of these please. Because <laughs> Kate Beckinsale in the snow kicking werewolves in slow motion is great. Mm. It's great. <laughs> Um, Sarah, on to more meaningful things. How about denial? Okay. Oh yes, this is a really interesting one. Mm. Um, mm. Because yeah, I'm still kind of in two minds about it. It's based on real events of I think the ninety, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's actually Late just 80s, the end. Maybe? This, like it might be 2000, 2001. Oh no way, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. God, no, well, the, the, it was based on a court case that ran for a few years, mm. so it probably sp- spanned that time. Um, of David Irving, who is a, a Holocaust denier, who um, took a case against uh, Debra Lipstadt. Hey, Debra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I went to Australia for a second. Uh. Who was, uh, she's a, a Jewish university historian who um, basically took him to task for his denial of the Holocaust, shockingly. Um, so the movie kind of goes from a little bit before the court case begins all the way through. And it is very i mean there's there's a lot that's really good and it's gotten a lot of kudos for being apparently like very true to the real the real life story which i think also brings up some problems like for example there are so many characters ah. you do not need like half of them and you know it, along with that it means that there's a lot of potential storylines that are just never go anywhere so mm. for like i think from a film point filmmaking point of view probably be better to combine characters or disregard less is this based on a lengthy book or um, is it an original screenplay i think it is based on a book yeah yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. it's uh, by uh, i think it's deborah lipstadt's oh, okay. book yeah, yeah. um oh yeah it, it, who is rachel weiss and timothy spall is uh, david irving and they're both very good the other more problematic thing that i found was that it's actually in a lot of ways a good thing is that it it's very it has great commentary on what's going on at the moment because i guess people like david irving have probably come out of the woodwork even more oh yeah um, and not necessarily denying holocausts but you know saying a load of other i know that she is coming back around again the holocaust okay, well, denying, yeah there so you go so and there's a there's a part really early on where rachel weiss says that she's like an ideal target for david irving because she's both a woman and a Jew. <laughs> it's totally true. Like mm. this is it, this is what's happening again, and again with like GamerGate or any of the alt right stuff that's going on now. Is um, GamerGate alt right? I suppose it is. I, I think uh-huh. so. Because it was a few it's years ago before alt right became yeah became yeah. a thing. But now you say yeah, totally. Yeah, but I, I, well, it's just the same kind of thing of minorities and women being targeted. And hey, if you can be both, <laughs> then like perfect where that's that's really like i thought that was a pretty interesting way to take the movie what is less not good is that (laughs) what i presume is true to life is that deborah lipstadt herself never took to the stand never actually talked during the trial oh 
Yeah. And how? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm actually not really sure either, to be honest. <laughs> Basically, her de- her defense were saying like, well, we don't really want. We kind of don't want to give him any ammo or any ammunition. And and they were also saying as well, like there was Holocaust survivors wanting to talk. And they were saying, no, we don't want you to be humiliated by David Irving. Like there's a point to it, as Mm. in, I guess you don't want people like David Irving to be given a platform. Yeah. (laughs) And you don't want to consider someone like him an equal. Like he's just scum, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things. But having said that, at the end of the movie, when, spoiler, because this is a real-life thing, so we probably already know, David Irving loses the case. Everyone's kind of going like, oh, isn't it great? The voices were heard, you know, the voices of the survivors were heard. And isn't it great that Deborah, she did the right thing, she didn't speak, which meant we could win. Which, like, to me, it's like, well, no, I mean, you did win, but they were the casualties. It's yeah. Basically, if you're saying it's great news that white men in charge got yeah, to talk for other people, <laughs> which is, like, that's just the status quo again. I don't really get how she could have won. Like, I, I, I'd love to... S- I don't want to watch all the court now, but <laughs> I, I feel like that's baffling that someone could not speak for an entire trial when you're, like, the main... Defendant, yeah, defendant, I, I think you're right. Whatever, there. um, and still win that's very impressive, yeah, but also bizarre. I didn't know it, that it okay. is strange, and I, yeah, I, I honestly, the film doesn't really explain it. I, I presume it's what does she happened. talk in the movie though? No, um, do you mean does she say Wouldn't dialogue? Like, yeah, or? but like, does she talk in the court trial at all? No, no, oh, like okay. that, yeah, basically, she has a team around doing those things for her, and hmm. But see, see, that's the thing. Like, it, the point could be: isn't it really sad that people whose voices actually matter didn't get he- heard? Mm. But instead, the movies kind of just goes for the schmaltzy, like we won the right people. Yeah. Won not those right day. people. <laughs> no, 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 not them. I don't know. It just seems a hollow victory, and I think that the film would have done better if they had acknowledged that it was, to some degree, a hollow victory. That's a more interesting reading of it, all right? Certainly. Mm. Um, hmm. Hmm. That's really depressing. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that at all. That's horrible. <laughs> and huh. I, but I also have to say, I actually, I like, I, I didn't enjoy it a lot. Like, there's a lot to enjoy. I think it's a good movie, and I think people should see it because you know it's an important subject as well. Yeah, it's an important subject, and it did sound good as a like as, as a concept as a story. I've heard mm-hmm. it's a bit televisual. Like, it, it, it seems like a BBC kind of upper class, higher class drama kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, probably mm-hmm. fair point. I mean, the, yeah, there's there's nothing sort of um, stand out in terms of visuals or anything. There is, I think I mentioned to you, there is a very strange, I guess we're going to call it like the the nocturnal animals twist (laughs) moment or something. (laughs) A lot of the court case in the movie focuses on like the architecture of of Auschwitz and whether, like what was the the, um, place designed for? Um, And it comes down to at one stage, why were windows put in place? And why did the windows have locks on the inside and it goes to this um sudden like just a very quick moment of this tiny window with like hands scrabbling at it and people basically dying inside it's a really really jarring moment and yeah like it doesn't fit in with the tone of the rest of the movie at all and i can understand that it's like yes look this is how horrific it was 
but it's just very strange. I, I know I'm not quite sure why they wanted to do it unless they wanted to shock everyone for a second. Which you know, I love to know it's doing a like test audience thing whereby yeah, that's yeah. the point where they know people are starting to fall asleep. So put in a jump scare. Yeah, good point. Because <laughs> is, is it like around the halfway mark? Would you say probably? It, yeah. 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 Mm, interesting. So. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, right, well, from one, I, I have I have no segue for this one. I'm trying to, I guess, uh, yes. on the fly, get a segue thing from to do with. From one movie to another. Oh, yes, very topical. <laughs> <laughs> to do with history, sure. Assassin's Creed. Um, I was looking forward to this for a while because the trailers looked okay. The cast was great. It was a good director uh, involved with it. I'm still baffled that Marion Cotillard's in this, but. Video game movies obviously have a notoriously bad track record. We'll get to that a bit later on again. This one had the potential because also it was being made in house by Ubisoft to make the game. So yeah. I was like, okay, it's not going to be. There's no like studio interference kind of mm-hmm. going. This is stupid. Take it out. And then I was like, well, this isn't the game anymore, is it? <laughs> so story is Michael Fassbender is a man on death row. I think his name is Callum. I want to say maybe. Unimportant. Michael Fassman is on death row. And then Marion Cotillard shows up and they fake his death and bring him to a secret laboratory headed by Jeremy Irons, who are secretly... Oh, a lot of the words secret in here. Uh, the Knights Templar, who are secretly controlling the <laughs> world's government and whatnot. They use a thing called the Animus, which uh, gets into your DNA... And the conceit is that your DNA holds all the memories of every one of your ancestors... So they use this to find ancient artifacts of a in the game it's like a precursor race that are like technologically more advanced than us that could Well in the game actually they built humans as slaves and then they created these pieces of Eden as they're called that could control the humans, but now they're all gone, just the humans are left. So if you can find these things you can control humanity with them. Mm. That's not really what the movie does, but that's the basic shtick of it. So, uh Fastbender is there to be Put in the machine, put into machine, uh, <laughs> what voice went right there, and his memories uh, sifted through so they can find this thing, the apple. The, on the one hand, as a storyline, it's a decent retread of the first game storyline. If you didn't play the games, this would still make as much sense as it's going to. Okay. Uh, however, I went into this thinking, oh, I definitely heard somewhere this is set within the game's universe. I was like, that's fine. That's a nice idea. There's like None of the, none of the main characters from this are in the game. None, they're all mm-hmm. new characters. Like, that's fine. It's a good idea. Don't truncate like a 12-hour story in the two hours. You don't have to. Make up, a new, make up a new story, even if it is just the same story again, but shorter. Fine. But it contradicts so much of the game's logic and universe and mythology, mm-hmm. but it's still meant to be set in the same universe. That's annoying. Also, the cast are just so wasted. Like, you got... Fastbender, Cotillard, Jeremy Irons, Brendan Gleeson shows up for a while. Charlotte Rampling's in this for like two scenes as the head of the Templar Order, and she's great being like the mm. arch villain of the universe. But <laughs> why is Charlotte Rampling in this? Um, Cotillard, I think, was very confused by this. Okay. There was a great moment on Graham Norton Free School watching Marion Cotillard, you know, acclaimed international actress, Oscar winner? Yeah, Definitely sure. nominee. I think she won for. Um, Livia and Rose, didn't she? Yeah, I think, I think sounds so. right. Probably. Yeah, she probably did. Um, having to explain the animus, which is a silly thing okay. and a stupid sci-fi concept. And just it, that was funny. But 
Fassbender has a bit of the X-Men problem here in that his accent uh, okay. is never quite oh, an American geez. accent. Get it right just once. Uh, he tries. God yeah. love him, he tries. Um, Jeremy Irons is great, though. I always love Jeremy Irons in a good villain role, or even as a good role, and he's a lot of fun here. He's very showy. There's a great bit at the end where he's in his basically Scientology meeting in his big mm. robes, walking down triumphantly, holding his big giant glowing MacGuffin, just going, gentlemen, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's great and stupid. Problems. The, the More problems. Oh, many problems. <laughs> uh, the main thing that it makes the games both loved and hated is that as a storytelling device, the Animus is clever in that lets you go to different eras mm. while maintaining the same storyline and kind of setting so like the first game is set during the crusade second one's the renaissance american oh, okay. civil war french civil war all the kind of thing french yeah civil war um rebellion whatever we call it uh but everyone always hates the future plot line in the game because it's just boring modern people in labs talking about nonsense sci-fi concepts the film's problem with that area is that there's about 20 minutes of the past stuff and the rest oh, is just no. marion cotillard having to explain sci-fi nonsense uh. Which I don't mind so much because I kind of like the sci-fi nonsense, but it is bad. <laughs> and the second problem with that is that even the stuff set in the past, because I'm sorry to bore people with the game. Right? In the game, the character lies down on a magical medical bed. <laughs> and that's just, like All the right. Matrix just gets inside their head and that's how you uh. view them out in the past. For the film, because that would be a bit boring, I guess, the animus has changed to being this giant mechanical arm that Fassbender is, like, strapped into and, like, a neural link put into the back of his mm. neck. And then he has to basically recreate all the moves he'd be doing in the past in the present, which is fine to explain what's happening, but you didn't need to show it. Uh, so, yeah. like, the big centerpiece chase scene, which should be really impressive and credit where credit's due, visually matches the game so well is crap because one the score is really weirdly relaxed and very just oh. <laughs> yeah calm and nice <laughs> and just kills attention but they keep cutting back to showing like mass fastbender you know shirtless in the present day on a big robot arm just running in the air kind of thing and just like running oh. on the spot sort of it's just stupid and then coming back to showing like old fastbender in the past doing the same you know practical stunt work with a stunt man and looking really good so I think if they hadn't kept cutting back to the present, it'd be fine. If the score was better, it'd be fine. The editing on the holds a bit weird and choppy. The story very quickly wraps up in what I think was actually quite funny. Because uh, Cotillard's all like, oh, my father is doing more evil than I thought he was. I don't like him anymore. And then Fassbender, like, second there shows up, I'm going to kill your father. Don't do that. He does. <laughs> and then she's like, I have a vengeance upon them for killing my father who I hated moments ago. And that's your sequel hook, basically. But it's it, it's quite funny. Uh I think if you didn't play the games, you'd probably get more out of it than I did. As a fan of the game, it annoyed me. As an action film, it's better than average, I suppose. It's not as crap as Underworld, but <laughs> Underworld is more fun. I don't know. I think it, it, a good attempt, you know? These game movies, they're getting better. They're, mm. They'll they make a real, real movie one day. Yeah, do you think they will? Like, are, do you, <laughs> I mean, is, are there any games that you know of that you think could make a good i have hope for this new alicia vikander lara croft movie um okay. like some set photos leaked during the week and she looks spot on like she looks okay. exactly right so if the story is see here's the thing i don't think they'll ever be like an oscar worthy game movie but i think mm. if they can just make a like think pirates of the caribbean one or two like kind of a generally crowd pleasing yeah. reviewed well enough kind of action movie that'd be fine yeah and actually i'm just thinking that say something like the last of us 
is like it sort of already is. It's already a, yeah, it's already like a TV show basically. Yeah, like the, the games that would be good to make in that, yeah. that would be kind of ideal for films or TV. They already kind of are. That's the problem, so. yeah. Because as mediums, they're too different in that to make one like the other, you have to kind of make it more like to make mm. a good movie of a game. Yeah. You need to make it more like a movie. And the ones that are already like movies will obviously make better movies, but they're not yeah. really... Yeah, but what's the point? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's a weird thing. And also, these things never seem to make money. So I'm not sure why okay. any studio keeps trying, because mm. like, I saw numbers recently for something. Some video game had sold like whatever, 25 million units over its course of its history, and the film made not even its budget back. I was like, why bother <laughs> trying? Like, you're not gonna, yeah. like, I don't understand, but... Whatever. Uh, so Assassin's Creed is kind of shite. Uh, Sarah, talk to us about... Actually, we should probably do La La Land, shouldn't we? Yeah, let's. <laughs> yes. Uh, good movie, kind of. I so. didn't like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just to, you it's, know, it's put my than Assassin's out Creed. There. Um, Fair enough. La La Land, yeah. So this is the new movie from... Oh, here's a test. <laughs> Damien Chazelle, Chazelle, yes. Kizzle, yeah. Cavill, Chazelle, Chazelle. Yeah, it is Damien, so. right? Yeah, yeah. Damien, <laughs> the guy that made Whiplash. Uh, mm-hmm. Whiplash guy. That's easy yeah. to say. <laughs> As he's known. Old whippy. <laughs> right. So this is a very Oscar baity movie in many ways. Mm. It's a throwback to old Hollywood. It's a musical. But it's sort of self-aware and modern, and mm. it's all full of pretty people doing things. It's decent. I didn't hate it. Uh, I'm not a musical person, and I think the last time this kind of film came out was The Artist, and I did mm. not. I, like, I, I liked The Artist, what it was, as a like distraction for two hours or ninety minutes or it was. But it wasn't like a good movie. It wasn't mm. a great. It wasn't groundbreaking. It was very forgettable and disposable. It's probably better than that was, and. I think a lot of that's down to casting, though, because mm-hmm. the original cast was Miles Teller and uh, okay. Emma Watson. Uh, really? Well, yes. She, wow. Jeez. Her I could see <laughs> in that role. Miles Teller would have been a terrible yeah. choice because I don't mind Miles Teller, but he's well cast, but he's cast and you're meant to hate. Yeah. Like yeah. Gosling is kind of smug, but in a sort of charming way mm-hmm. that even though he's a bit of an asshole in this, he gets away with it and is sort of likable. Mm-hmm. Miles Seller would have been insufferable yeah, in this. Very true, very true. That's why he's great in Whiplash. Whiplash, you meant to hate him. Yeah. So we're fine. <laughs> even Fantastic Four to a point, like, you meant to kind of hate Reed Richards. So I was like, that's okay. Good casting. But here, terrible. Um, I do think that was a better choice, though. Gosling is perfect for this. Mm. Uh, I think she's quite good, too. Emma Stone's always quite likable. The age gap's a little weird, but whatever. Such is life. Um, yeah, you you talk about why you didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, the main reason I think is they both are good. They both have good voices. They're both they were both good at learning to dance. Mm-hmm. But I don't think either of them are musical stars, which I think is. Gosling has a band, I think, doesn't he? Well, sure he does. But in order to be a musical star, I think you have to be able to act through music. Mm. And that's not what they were doing. Like, they were doing really good singing. Rehearse, sort of. Yeah. There's no emotion to it, kind of. It was no. A, it was going through emotions. Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. Okay, yeah. 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 And, um, and the dancing, like, I think we were saying there, even just before we recorded there, it was impressive that they were able to learn the dance that they did and to be able to do the takes that they did. Impressive. Yeah. But watching it the whole time, I was thinking, wow, it's, it's really impressive that they learned to do that for the movie you were interrupting the emotion of the songs <laughs> which I, I can name not. none of no 
in order for it to work, it has to look effortless. And I don't think that they were good good enough at either. <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah, because I think, yeah, thinking about it more, my whole thing was, wow, it's impressive how hard they tried. Yeah. Not yeah. how effortless it looked. That's a fair point. Um, yeah, okay. I don't know, was it just my screen or is this, you know, a general thing? Because I, I did talk to a few other people who said similar things that the sound wasn't actually great when they went to hear it. Like, especially the, the first song, which is everyone in like traffic jam in LA getting out and being like oh it's a wonderful day let's have a tap dance or you know whatever actual dialogue yes (laughs) I actually wasn't sure that the movie was beginning oh (laughs) yeah um (laughs) and a lot of the time it sort of sounded like the the, for whatever reason the the singing wasn't as strong as it could have been I don't know was it just that it was set too low hmm just I don't know it didn't quite sound they had it tuned right for a musical (laughs) I didn't really spot that, but I, I do recall thinking, it, I know what you mean, but it's sounding a bit low, all right, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I put that down in my head, just uh, Stone and Gosling not being singers. Mm. We talked about that maybe they just couldn't project as hard or far. And yeah, just sort yeah, of was, okay. Uh, I don't know. Um, I think it's definitely a film I, I appreciate and respect more than necessarily like. Okay. <laughs> I do think Demo is a, a great director and it's very impressively staged. It's like he's up for best director and I. I kind of think he deserves it because okay. it's it doesn't have much to say necessarily as a movie but i do think he did a good job of what he's like he, this is a passion project of his for years apparently and yeah like it looks good it, it's well it moves very well it's that last montage is really impressive mm-hmm. remember the alternate history what could happen kind of thing and i like that it was quite bittersweet in the end it wasn't sort of a happy ever after fun time musical but there was something kind of lacking about it and the more you talk about it, the more you're kind of, I think, articulating it better in my head as to what was wrong with it. And yeah. it is just that... It's it's not even as it's show, not tell. It's more... It's just show and nothing else. Mm, like, it's it's not yeah. trying to tell you anything. Yeah. It's just showing. And yeah. like, mm. What also kind of struck me was that it's just sort of aiming to be everything 1950s and before. Yeah. Like, it's, it's trying to be musical, jazz, but also just, like, movies in general, like that whole rebel about a cause thing mm. was kind of weird if you're trying to go for to either look at the sort of nostalgia for musicals or nostalgia for jazz because it's not either i guess it just it just tried to evoke a whole the whole first half maybe of america in the 20th century and like when you when you go for something that broad you kind of you're going to lose a lot well so usually if you evoke a thing or an era you're doing it towards something you're evoking mm, it to make a point yeah, to like yeah. contrast it with something here it's just evocation for evocation's sake yeah true. Very <laughs> um which i don't in theory mind but you see i feel like he could have something good to say because he this has basically the same subtext as whiplash where it's mm. you can succeed as an artist in being a good piano man again i guess um <laughs> but it'll or at jazz but it'll destroy you or it'll destroy relationships it's mm. it's there's sacrifice involved in it which is a, a good story to tell like that's what black swan did it was interesting that's what whiplash did and it was interesting here it makes for a nice sort of bitter cherry on top of the otherwise fairly empty cake mm. but it's yeah i know what you mean like this evoking all these eras for no real good and to go look at that yeah Wasn't that nice yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's there's nothing to it really um mm. But again, it it was, you know, it moved fast enough. It looked nice. The songs were fine. Good dance numbers. Like, I wasn't bored. I didn't hate it. Mm. It just, it won't be like an all-time great yeah. anything. Yeah. Really. Like, I, Whiplash has, like, 
it, this has nothing about Lash. Like, Lash is yeah. in my mind yeah. pretty much timeless and great. This is mm. also I hated J.K. Simmons cameo on this. Me too. Initially, I was like, that's fine. Oh. He's being angry on J.K. Simmons. He ground. But yeah. then he shows later on, he's all like dancing and clicking his yeah, fingers. Like, no, don't like this. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> but it, I mean, it is kind of weird to think that in the same way that like you're saying the artist, that they're both Oscar contenders. Mm. and did The, the artist won. Didn't won they? everything. Yeah. Mm. What is it that a pastiche of just things that happened in the past? <laughs> how is it that that is the measure of, oh, well, this is the best film this year? Because like, Hollywood is <laughs> is just a lot of old men that <laughs> just want to have their backs slapped yeah, and their, so. their, their, their manhoods wanked. And that's all this was. Yeah. It was just visual wank and back slapping. True. I mean, but... Uh, no, actually, you're you're entirely right because I was going to say that obviously for anyone, uh, not that I particularly know a lot about musicals or anything, but anyone who does, I presume, would just be like, "This is oh yeah, they've alluded to half a dozen things that I like, but that's not that's not in and of itself an impressive thing to do." I think this is the musical version of. Now I haven't read Ready Player One yet, but the way you described oh, it to me once, yeah. like it's it's entirely has nothing going for it really, <laughs> but it's just lots of references to things that are clever. Like I, I saw someone that did like musicals, and they were telling me like, oh, like it's great how references like Fred Astaire and all this stuff, and I was like, okay, I don't know musicals, so I didn't. Know <laughs> but they seem to enjoy that fact, and I was okay. like, okay, fine. But now the way you're talking about, it, I think maybe that's what it is. It's the it's that sort of reference over substance thing. So if it references things you like and get. Therefore, mm, it's good. Okay. Um, kind of like some one of the, pick a bad superhero movie, like the one of the ones that just has lots of references but has nothing going for it, no real interesting story or characters. I guess it's that. It's that okay. musical where like, look at all the things you loved in the past, yeah. but there's nothing new here. It's mm. just it's, it's staged bit better. It's a little bit lighter, a little bit nicer. Whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. Hmm. I think I'm staring on it a bit now. The more talking about it, <laughs> I was like, I think I'd maybe watch it again. I don't yeah. know. It kind of did. I kind of thought it would seem long enough. How long was it? <laughs> it was uh, two hours. Not as long as Silence, it? anyway. Um, <laughs> it was definitely two hours, I'd say. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like I, the the last note I have written down is felt long, but not necessarily in a bad way. Like because I guess it okay. it was meant to be a what a year with yeah. the narrative, yeah. so that's yeah, fine. That's fair point. Um, I think the cast really does save it the more we talk about it. like i think if it yeah, wasn't yeah. the two of them and they weren't both so effortlessly charming and had such good charisma and mm. together and chemistry it wouldn't work i think if it was just all this really cold cynical referencing mm. there'd be little to hang it on where Great. i think they, they both are pretty good and even though he's an ass I, ryan gosling is irritatingly watchable and he's just, <laughs> he, like he is an absolute asshole but then again she's kind of a neurotic crazy person so mm. whatever but like i did think that last little montage is like I, I'm dead inside. We know this, <laughs> but there was like the faintest little kind of blip on the radar of oh, at that last montage. Mm. I think like, that was kind of nice, and cause it didn't. I don't think that ending is meant to be depressing. It's just meant to be sure, a sort yeah, of yeah. you pick your path, and that's what you get. Like mm. either you get your jazz club, or you get the wife you couldn't, you can't now have for reasons. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, 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 it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's enjoyable. Go see this with your kids, not monster yeah. calls where they're <laughs> giant mother cancer monster is going to yeah. brood at you <laughs> or whatever yeah, see both you know they'll, they'll, they'll balance each other out <laughs> watch both at the same time <laughs> and see what happens exactly <laughs> that's what you think right um i think from la la land to the, the list i have less of films for you to review are all 
kind of depressing sounding. Yeah. So. Fuck it, go with Jackie. Okay. Um, yeah. Talking of bygone American eras, to flashback to <laughs> Jackie. That's like it's a couple like hey, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then it just fades out into blood. Yes. So uh, Jackie is, it's sort of a biopic, but mm. it's not really, it's definitely not intended to sort of illustrate a lot about Jackie Kennedy's life. Yeah. Um, it's more like allegorical to yeah. the feeling of the time. Exactly. Or whatever. It's looking at her, like basically the two weeks, I guess, from when JFK uh, was assassinated to eh, basically his funeral. It's it's looking at her own internal breakdown, I suppose, and um, things happening. Like it's 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 honestly in a certain way, like not a lot. Never happens. write DVD blurbs. No, uh, not leave forward. Things happen. <laughs> things happen. Just watch it. Um, it's it's ex- experimental in a way that quasi biopic kind of things like hardly ever are. Okay, it's not as experimental as I'm not here. Mm. But it's going in. I think it's going in a good direction because biopics are kind of boring. So you know, this is this is good. Um, the thing that intrigued me about it when I heard about it was that it's the person doing the score is the person yes. that's under the skin, and apparently it's a similar kind of score. Like, that's bizarre. Yeah, yeah. no, it's the, the score is is what carries the movie. Mm. Um, pretty much, it's it, like you don't really get any insight. It, funny as much as it's about her breakdown or whatever it's not i suppose it's not even just it's not even that much of a breakdown it's just like dealing the, yeah the yeah. trauma of, of what's happened but you you don't even get that much of an insight into what she's thinking but it's that the music makes it feel like you are <laughs> and at one stage she actually there's flashbacks to her time in the white house and she's organized a, an orchestra to come and play and you kind of realize that that because of that that the music is the way into her psyche in a way that nothing else is hmm. uh, basically you don't, you're not really sure what's going on in her mind but you know that things are going on no <laughs> <laughs> and um it's just it's yeah it's really intriguing but it's kind of hard to say exactly why it's just uh, i yeah. suppose a bit like under the skin really in that way i didn't really yeah. like under, under I, need the skin, to, I need to watch it again though because I, yeah, I feel like i, I just uh, missed the point yeah the first maybe because <laughs> i thought under the skin this is totally irrelevant everything uh, the same thing as Winter Soldier because they're both on at the same oh, time. Like right. uh, two Scarlet Johansson movies in one go. Why not? So I saw that first in Captain America, and I was just like, "This is fine, but where's Captain America? Yeah. Uh, this is boring." Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was kind of boring. But mm, it was kind of boring. The score was great, and she was good. Mm. She was pretty good. Anyway, um, who's playing JFK, and is their cameo incredibly distracting? Actually, I don't know. I don't know who was playing him, but it's actually not too too okay. much of a distraction. It is kind of one of the weird parts of the movie though that they obviously don't really know what to do with him specifically they have to have him in there. yeah they have to have yeah. him in there and it's like at one stage there's an acknowledgement of yes he was a womanizer and so yes maybe this would be difficult for jackie kennedy for more reasons than just that her husband's died but it kind of goes into this weird thing about how kennedy's time in office was like camelot and how they're <laughs> never going to get camelot back I'm sorry, as soon as you said Camelot, just Monty Python songs are playing. Okay. Head, but yeah, sure. <laughs> well, they actually, they have the, the song f- from the musical Camelot rather than Spamelot. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, sure. And yeah, it's just sort of weird. It just feels like they didn't really know how to deal with, yeah, the fact that, like, yeah, JFK was this big figure. We'll act like he was Arthur somehow. And sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of, it's possibly one of the failings of the movie, but, um, 
no, in general, it's, it is very, very good. And it actually says some kind of interesting stuff about, well, I suppose as it should, about terrorism, mm. which is weird. Like one of the things is that when she is organizing the funeral, what she wants to do is walk through wa- uh, Washington and everyone's kind of like, whoa, you know your husband just got shot <laughs> in the streets. <laughs> maybe, maybe not yeah. so much. Her whole point is, as soon as leaders are too afraid to show their faces in public, like, what does that mean? And it, it was kind of, I suppose, at a time when people are getting pretty scared. It's like, well, maybe our leaders should lead by example. and You know, all that you kind of feel like that would have resonated better if Clinton had won. Because, like, oh, a yeah. female part of Washington <laughs> streets in danger because she's a woman. And, got, yeah, I was like, yeah. that oh, was very empowering. Yes. Whereas now it's like, we kind of want them to get shot. <laughs> so it's like, oh, just keep walking them around and someone shoots them. Uh, but yes, the message is in theory good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even like this country, if, if it was end of Kennedy, it's like, come on, yeah. someone just throw a rock or something. Even England, Jesus, we're yeah. in a bad era, aren't we? <laughs> we are. <laughs> just yeah. run them all up and shoot them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Get a bit dark. Yes, a little bit. Um, uh, sh- why not go I... for offences? All right. <laughs> or with lime, whatever you want to go um, in. Yeah, I'll go for... Or do both at once. Ooh, Alternate the okay. words and each one is you don't. <laughs> yes. Now I'll, I'll go for, for Lion while I'm here. So this is another actually drawing on, not really drawing on, but what was the other? Yeah, Denial was also based on something that really happened, as did Jackie, I suppose. Mm, yes. But, you know, it, based on a on a book of young boy in <laughs> India. <laughs> I feel like as the months go on, we're getting worse with this. This is a film about people yes <laughs> listen carefully his name was it's saru oh someone saru. took notes for oh, once I did, yes <laughs> who becomes lost from his family in very poor part of india he basically boards a train takes him all the way to the other side of the country and when he's there he can't speak the same language as anyone else so he ends up in an orphanage and is then brought to australia to live with them um, an adopted family so 20 years later google maps gets invented <laughs> and he realizes well like to be fair it sounds ridiculous but it's actually true like now he can actually no, no i know i know it's, i think it's the way you're describing it it's oh, okay, sort of fair enough. <laughs> it sounds like google maps was invented to serve this plot point <laughs> oh <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah so he basically spends years trying to locate the the original um train station that he he boarded I don't know, the weird thing is like thinking about that and thinking about it's kind of hard to believe watching it because it's sort of like if it happened in Ireland, it's like, well, we have 20 train stations, <laughs> you know, um, not it's not going to take you that long Google mapping, but obviously India is very, very, yes. very, very big. So that's the difference. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. Very it is yes, well observed, very astute. This is a geography <laughs> lesson as well, by the way. Oh, God. So, yeah, it's. It's quite interesting because it's um, very much what you think is what I thought was going to be the prologue or whatever would be Saru being uh, lost in India is actually it's actually the first half of the movie. Mm. So I kind of feel like it was quite a you know fairly in, in interesting thing to do to basically have the midpoint where you start your story again. I, I don't know if I'm overstating how impressive this is. Maybe this isn't impressive at all. Um, it's not <laughs> unimpressive. It's just okay. Yeah, it's just okay. Okay. So it's just, this thing happened. Mm. Um, 
I also have to say that I was bawling throughout the whole movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I came out of it thinking it was really, really good. And now I'm thinking that I'm was not the uh, sure. dehydration speaking, probably. Yeah, it probably was. I think it is good, but I'm not sure if I was sort of over overthinking how good it was. It is quite stereotypical. I suppose just. I don't even know what kind of a movie would you call it. It's not a gro- coming of age movie, really. I think it was a gross out comedy. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> it's, it's not. not. No, it's not a comedy. <laughs> but um, ugh, just, just I suppose a story about people. Story about <laughs> people. Places. What, what, what am I trying? To, like, I suppose a, not a disaster narrative. I'm just, just not sure if it actually did anything that innovative. When at the time I thought it did. That's okay though. If it did something really well, that's still impressive. Mm-hmm. And True. I, I feel like. A film getting an emotional response. I know some people mm. are just easy manipulated with emotions, but you seem like a level-headed person. Well, thank you. So. <laughs> Let's go with that. I've never seen you cry, which is a good uh, start. Yeah. So I feel like we made you cry. It must have been something right. Mm. But it's interesting that you're second-guessing yourself on that now. Mm. It's kind of amusing. Yeah, I think possibly as well. I've I've like heard other people being like, "Oh, it's uh, not any good." Oh, I'm a jerk. So maybe I'm just going. I don't want to. Don't want to be like too keen here. <laughs> but like, there's hey, love what you love. Yeah, but no, there's a a lot of great acting. Weirdly enough, Dev. So Dev Patel, who plays Saru, the older Saru, he got nominated for a supporting supporting actor, which I think is a bit of a cop out because absolutely he probably has more screen time, and actually, to be fair, I I, I would probably give a nomination to uh, Sonny Poar, who played the younger Saru. I think he probably had more to do. Mm. and he's like six or something and he like carries a movie for half the time so but i don't know like is that one of those i guess it's just one of the, is that one of those maneuvers where they like the new death tell probably wouldn't take yeah. away the support the, almost certainly yeah okay so it's just all politics oh yeah yeah is. yeah there's also one thing that i didn't sort of <laughs> pick up on while watching it which is I definitely i will admit probably i was um blinded by my tears oh yes <laughs> um was like there definitely is a white savior thing going on oh of course there is Why um, there yeah but there's there's one um part where so saru's adoptive parents are played by uh nicole kidman and david Wenham. Hmm. and <laughs> they seem like really like they are obviously very good people and i'm sure the real life versions of them are also very good people but um <laughs> Nicole Where Kidman. is this book going? Yeah, yes. yeah, you'll see. Nicole Kidman, at one stage, she, she gives a speech where she's saying that um, when she was 12, she came from uh, an, an abusive fa- uh, home and she had this hallucination that she saw a brown child <laughs> like in the distance. Oh and God. at that moment, she knew that she was going to be... Uh, she Find was going a to stray adopt. brown child. Yeah, basically. <laughs> And um Good God. Yeah, so it was just like okay. Honestly, if you left left the world even if they left left the word brown out of it. Better. <laughs> and then maybe she could say later and that child looked like you or something. You know, you could just Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it could definitely nicer. definitely work. But no, she had to adopt brown children was her goal in life, which is just I don't know, not not not, not great. Ideal. That's huh. Is it better or worse than a La La Land's whole white man says jazz narrative? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's better, but I'm not quite sure how much... I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> no. Uh, 
Yeah, like, I don't know. Other, I'd like to say other than that, but the, the, there's also the whole thing of Saru, when he discovers his village, coming back to to meet his family and, like, everyone kind of circling around him and, oh, look, the, the tall man from America is back. And I don't know. It just it doesn't... Like, maybe that's exactly how it happened. I don't know. But um, it kind of... It does feel a little bit mm. odd. All right. Okay. But, you know... I liked it. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. That came across. Yeah. Um, we did laugh a lot through that, but yeah, that came mm. across. Uh, yes. Fences. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sarah. Yes, fences. <laughs> All right. So this is uh, Denzel Washington's um, tour de force. Oh, yes. Uh, so he, it's his director. Well, actually, I have no idea if it's his director. I think it is. Debut. Okay. I feel like it probably is, but it might not be. Well, we'll see. <laughs> We'll keep you in, yeah, suspense about that one. Um, so he's directing, he's acting, although he's not actually doing anything else. So he's just doing those two things. Um, uh, Viola Davis is his wife. Did I say her name right? <laughs> I don't know if she's a wife or not. Oh. Yeah, that's the right name, yes. <laughs> um, uh, and it's based on a screenplay, by, on a play um, by August Wilson, who's an amazing playwright from America surprisingly um yeah it's this is um so it's very much like a kitchen sink type situation it's pretty much 95 percent of this is based in a s- urban um tiny s- small enough house and the garden in the back where they are trying to build a fence Ooh, yes <laughs> i see where the title came from exactly um is the fence, perchance, a, a metaphor for the, the building of a child <laughs> and the relationship they're in and yeah. their growth towards adulthood, maybe? Sort of. I mean, when the film starts, they're both in their 50s, but it is about, yeah. But does the building, building of the fence sort of parallel the child's growth and development? Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a yes I can talk now. about plays. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> So, yeah, this is, it's been described as um, an, another version of Death of the Salesman. So it is very much a talky talky and not a lot of, not a lot of action, let's say, but that's, that's how plays go. <laughs> Often, yes. <laughs> um, that's, that's okay, right. So the talky talky, that, that's good. Um, like I said a lot, I should say more. Um, is she good? Because I, 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 yes. I, I quite like her and I'm glad she's getting a lot of nominations and stuff. Um, all I keep seeing though is like that one clip from the trailer where it's just her covered in snot and crying. Oh, yeah. And everyone going, look how good she is. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, she, yeah that's, isn't, that's how you win the Oscar though, isn't it? Oh, that's you, like, what he is. You degrade yourself, yourself in some gross. way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, she, she, yeah, she is really good. And actually, I think you were saying before that like, yeah, Denzel Washington kind of, kind of annoys you a bit. I, like, I don't mind him so much. Like I could probably watch, I don't know, like Man on Fire again. Like, mm. That's fine. I just think every time I see a trailer for one of these movies, uh, be it Safe House, be it the one with the, the plane and the alcohol, mm. what was that one called? Not Flight Plan. Oh, it's just Flight, isn't it? Flight, of course yeah. it's called Flight. <laughs> and now Fences. It's like, pick better names, first of all, <laughs> Denzel. Um, he's always just playing the same kind of, you know, world-weary older gentleman that mm. knows all the secret knowledge and will be all kind of <laughs> sassy about giving it to you. I'm like, I, I can't watch this anymore. Mm. Yeah. Um, so when I saw the trailer and it was... I actually laughed when I saw the title come up because of how thick the trailer lays it all on and then it's directed or, yeah, directed and starring in Washington and then just fences. Like, oh, 
<laughs> it looks like a parody of an Oscar movie. Okay. Like it looks so painfully Oscar-y. I don't want to watch it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I might watch it anyway because of obligations. Uh, yes. Yeah. So it's no good, I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Are no. you saying that? Okay. Um, yeah, no, just, yeah, the fact that you're saying... If as a white man, I may speak for a woman in keeping with the denial logic. Yeah. You're saying it's no good. Excellent, <laughs> very good. Yeah, yeah I, I wonder actually how uplifting the movie is supposed to be because like if it's based on an august wilson play i have a feeling that yeah it's maybe meant to end more negatively than it does Ah. Um, and i wonder is that like is that denzel washington because basically like the movie is about denzel's character he's he's a garbage man who wants to drive a garbage truck is (laughs) not no sorry that's not Basically, that's what he wants to do. Yeah, okay. That's his short-term goal. Yes, 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 um, yes. He used to be a baseball player, but he was he, he kind of peaked back during the Jim Crow laws, so he, uh, wasn't, okay. he wouldn't be allowed to play for yeah. the team. And so he's pretty much like held that against society, as you would. Yeah. And it means that he doesn't want his son to play uh, football. Um, he's been like offered scholarships and stuff, and he, he's basically saying, no, you're, you have to earn a trade, do something that white men can't take away from you. Like a fence. Yeah, <laughs> Bill Fence. You're you're cottoning on here. Well done. White <laughs> um, man can't steal no fence. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> In general, like as much as you can understand where he's coming from, he's mm. really not a very nice person. He also, will I go spoiler yeah. here? Yeah. Well, I don't care. They might. Okay. Well, I said gesture of the microphone and a zoom. Okay. Well, it's, <laughs> well, he also has a child with another woman while still being married, and like so, you know. Does she know about it? Yes, eventually, yes. Oh, okay. And so he's not really that nice a guy as much as you can sympathize with where he came from. But the ending he's is his funeral. Right, and yes. his family are kind of sitting around talking about like how great well he was made. and how he's Jesus and stuff. A little a little bit of that. Mm. At the very end, they look to the sky. Oh no. And guess what comes out? <laughs> Just for a moment and then it goes away. And they're like, Oh, what could that have been? It it was the sun. Like, I genuinely think it was like his face. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, oh that's God. so cheesy. Oh terrible. wow. <laughs> now I wish that happened. Like a cloud winked at him or something. I don't know. It just, uh, yeah. That's less no, bad. It, it, no, it's not, it's not that bad. But up, up until that point, it sort of seems like the family are kind of come to, coming to the terms with the fact that, yeah, he was their father, etc. But maybe he was, and maybe he wasn't perfect, always per- he perfect. Was but you have to learn to deal with your family. But at the end, it's like, hey. <laughs> great guy up here um and i just wonder is that like yeah is that like denzel using his directorial it sounds powers? like it i can't picture that kind of shot being in a shot that kind of moment being in a play yeah exactly like uh, how, do you, how do you even do that i don't know and it does seem like that because uh did you ever see uh what's the one with brad pitt and the dinosaurs oh <laughs> terence Malick. yes um, oh, we're nearly there. God Almighty! Um, it's not going to come to me. No, that movie. <laughs> yeah. That movie, everybody. <laughs> yeah, because obviously the whole point, well, not, but the allegory in that movie, it's it's implied because you're seeing the Birth Universe and dinosaurs and all that shit, and then it's also Brad Pitt in like the 1950s. I want to say, mm. like raising his kids, and obviously the allegory is kind of that he's God, and this is like him raising his children, i.e., man, and all that kind of crap. It sounds a lot like Fences is a single, sing, similar sort of metaphorical microcosm of 
it's it's you know it's the flawed father figure the flawed creator trying to make the the, the image of himself better mm-hmm. but you see i think that ending of them acknowledging him being flawed is interesting and mm. good and positive whereas yeah. then going nope he's literally sky jesus <laughs> and the sun is a bit sort of yeah a bit conservative a bit a bit trite mm-hmm. um what was the brad pitt dinosaur movie called it's called like Enter the Void or something like that. Ooh, that's a different, that much worse really, movie. That, that doesn't sound like it at all. No, that's not, was it something lofty like that, or was it just something like Jim's House? I, don't, <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. Uh, I, yeah. Brad no, Pitt and the Dinosaurs. Whatever. I don't know. Right. Um, are, you, are you doing offenses? Yeah. Okay. Um, so quickly onto the the continue. This is the last review I'm doing before we do our, mm-hmm. our last one together. Again, as I said, I saw a lot this month. A lot of it was shit. Resident Evil, the final chapter. Now, even more so than Underworld, this is one that I have a lot of investment in. It's uh, the, the the sixth film in a um, fifteen running, fifteen year running series that is now collectively grossed worldwide over a billion dollars. Uh, oh. It's got Miljanovic a nice career from her hubby, who's directed most of these and written all of them. Get back to that in a second. Uh, the plot is of little concern to anyone, least of all who's writing it. So let's just say Miljanovic once again wakes up somewhere, shoots some stuff, kicks some other stuff, finds some bad guys, has a bit of an old fight, and saves the day in some manner. This time for the last time, but not really, maybe, oh. unless this makes money and gets sequels. Kind of like Sherlock. Kind of like Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh... Hmm. I've become a bit of an apologist for these in the last few years. I think four... Th- three and four are genuinely decent, and five has a nice... I think four and five have a very nice aesthetic to them, and a really good score. Or not really good, but good score. And they're, they're fun action movies that were shot in 3D with 3D cameras. So, kind of like the last few Michael Bay movies, 3D cameras are very heavy and very hard to maneuver which means that filmmakers are kind of forced to rein in their visuals a bit and have to do a lot more static takes or long shots or not like, you know, a lot of Bourne-esque camera whipping around. This one was not sadly shot on 3D cameras, so the really nice sort of hypnotic aesthetic of the last two where it's these really long, often in slow motion shots of like her slowly cutting something in half or kicking a dog in the sky or something, like they're gone and this time replaced with... Some of the most headache-inducing editing I've ever seen, it's abhorrent. It's, it's, I'd say, literal frames per cut. It's maybe, let's say, 10 frames and a cut, 20 frames and a cut. It's awful. It wastes all of the good stunt work, which someone died for and someone else almost <laughs> died for. Yeah, I think really? some, yeah, some crewman got killed when the rig on the car is, like collapsed on him. And then Yalovich's stunt double, who was also Scarlett Johansson's stunt double for the Avengers movies, was almost killed. Wow. She's since been basically paralyzed, lost she an arm. Per- what? Yeah, she was doing a motorbike stunt and collided with a camera crane. Oh. And she was in a coma for like two weeks. And then she had like one of her arms paralyzed, which has been amputated since. And like she's basically, I think, permanently at that job. Oh my god. And like for this film of all yeah. films, like for an Avengers movie, like no one should have to do. That. I know that's what some people are for; it's to like limit the danger of the actors. But if you're gonna lose like almost oh, yeah. like for any movie, this yeah, 
anyway when you said that at first that's you know someone yeah. died for this <laughs> i kind of thought you meant like metaphorically <laughs> no literally a crew guy died <laughs> yeah although i'm not sure what i thought what i thought you meant it's like, about zombies so i guess you know metaf- dead. yeah but I, no career. i mean i thought i sort of thought you meant it more like the sort of like you know the way people talk about dying for america just basically why didn't why did it take me like two seconds to realize that you were saying someone literally died i, I guess because that wouldn't happen much and it's yeah, it's maybe. surprising to hear um <laughs> so yeah positives uh Yamovich is still good i think i hope she gets a bit more of a career after these are finished like i know she's 41 now which in hollywood years is basically mm. dead <laughs> but she has a great she has a really i think decent screen presence she has a nice sort of intensity but a playfulness she's good and i hope she's in more things that aren't just shitty pierce brosnan 9-11 films <laughs> anyone who didn't see survivor watch survivor it is absolute balls but it's kind of fun um the action is good if you could see it but the editing just so severely kneecaps any sense of visual geography or followability for it that it, it's such a waste um Ian Glenn is the villain. Ian Glenn was the villain in the third movie and died, hmm. but he's back this time as a clone of that character right. because they decide because they introduced clones in actually the third movie, and have since spent every film going. There's a plot hole over here. Oh, just <laughs> stuff clones and it's fixed. So everything is clones in this movie to the point that spoilers. It turns out our main character has been a clone the whole time. Oh. Hmm. And then Miljava shows up as like an old lady who was the original person. And then also her real life daughter is playing the AI program that is meant to be childhood. Her Oh, it's just mm. such wonderful garbage. Um, Ian Glenn is great, though. He's playing three different versions of himself. Uh, he's chewing the scenery with each one. And if there's a recommendation aside from Miljavich just being fun of these movies, it's him. He He's great. He's, he's really good. Because this is technically his third time as a video game adaptation villain. Because the oh. first Tomb Raider movie, he was the villain. And then the last Resident Evil, and then this one. Uh, so I think he should stop. He's better <laughs> than this. He knows better. He's doing the Game of Thrones. He he mm. can do actual acting. He had that, uh, what's that cop show he's in? I can't remember what it's called. There's some like Irish cop show he does. Apparently it's very good. Oh. Set in Galway or something. I don't okay. know. <laughs> oh, actually I do know. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't think it of. doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> but I know what you're talking about. Yes. He's uh, in the show. Did you, did you find the name of the um, Brad Pitt movie? Tree of Life. Tree of Life. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Jim's Treehouse. <laughs> I wasn't that far off. You weren't. Wait, well, I... you said Jim's house. <laughs> I added in Never the tree. Never mind. You're right. The tree. Mm, Jim's Treehouse. Was Brad Pitt called Jim? I have no idea. Let's not check it. Um, right. Resident Evil. Yeah. The main problem with this, aside from it being the same plot as the last five, aside from being kind of lackluster, aside from the action being incomprehensible, aside from the plot making no sense and (laughs) all that shit, is that what little investment or legacy these things have will be that they kind of created a nice little weird alternate Resident Evil universe that made no sense and was full of clones. But this movie retcons everything from Uh, basically the previous four films. So that you watch the first one, then this one, it would make some amount of sense. Anything in between and you'd be confused. Okay. And as someone who has watched the films several times and kind of likes their weird super plot and has spent years in my own head making sense of those super plots, to have them all suddenly retconned because why not? Mm. It's kind of irritating, but funny. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that the people making this, that you know, the husband and wife team that have made all of these, the man that wrote all of these and directed most of them has such disregard for his own mm. series. He's like, yeah. well, 
Because the whole I told you about yeah her daughter playing the AI is meant to be the character that she also is. Okay. That yeah. was in a previous film, but it was a different character who was the basis for the AI character. And like mm. it's 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 so blatant. It's so lazy. It's mm. so. Did you not rewatch any of these before <laughs> you wrote this? Um, as for its finality, there is an ending point, which is like, look, this is theoretically a happy ever after, but also if this makes money, we can totally make more of these. Okay. So we'll see. It's very dumb. Uh, it makes no sense. It's very silly. But if you like seeing Ian Glenn just chewing the scenery, it's 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 fun. Uh, the score is also quite good. I think the score is it. It sounds kind of like. A, a budget light version of Trent Reznor and I guess Ross kind of style okay. mixed with the Daft Punk Tron Legacy Ooh. kind of sound. So that's pretty good. Sadly, you can't hear it oh, okay. because the entire soundtrack is drowned out with screams, gunshots, and just shrieking metal, which is not pleasant in the cinema. Okay. Uh, so on a production level, this is kind of just a nightmare, yeah. both hourly and visually. And nigh on unbearable on every <laughs> every level. I dread to think what it looks like in 3D because it's post-converted and also, as I said, every shot's like five frames long. Mm-hmm. So it's probably a headache. But uh, yeah, maybe don't go see that one. Or do, because okay. they'll make more of them. And I want to see it like a sequel with No Yelovich because she's gone. She's out. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, from one stupid to another stupid. Um, and also from one franchise film to another franchise yes. film. Ooh. suddenly <laughs> that's a spoiler i guess split yeah. um so this is the as the reviews have called it the return to form of <laughs> mr m night Shyamalan. was it a return to form sir was it was it as good as say uh, the sixth sense or unbreakable or yeah. even maybe signs mm, probably as good as signs you're probably as good as signs <laughs> But, Did um, you see his last one, actually? The one with the old people in the no, house? No, The Visit. The Visit. I, I didn't. I had meant to, but I never got around to it. I'd say it's about on par with this. Like, it's an okay, okay thriller movie, but a bit silly. Yeah. And but see, it kind of feels like they were saying that with The Visit. Like, I don't know. Mm. Basically, does he make a new film and everyone's saying, like, oh, he's back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. I guess know? so. Because the last year, they're like, oh, here he is. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, it's even worse. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. He's somehow outdone himself and it's even more terrible. So now every time they're not outright terrible, yeah, I guess yeah. it's like, he's back, everybody. <laughs> yeah, fair point. <laughs> I, guess, I don't know. He's just, he's so puzzling because he never really makes amazing films. It's always just... Just like puzzling films, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Which have to have a twist. Yeah. Um, what I'll say about this one is it, there isn't really no, there a, isn't twist really a twist per se. Well, there's a twist, but it's not to do with this movie. Yeah. If that makes it, sense. Like everything from this movie is in the trailer. Yeah. Right down to the, the weird Spider Man, werewolf man thing that he becomes at the yeah. end. Yeah. Uh, and my, actually, I went in knowing the twist, but not knowing that that was the twist, if that makes sense. No. <laughs> Explain further. Ba- right. Full spoilers. Oh, yeah. Full spoilers. Um, so basically, I. W- my my brother I went to it with my with my brother mm. and my brother had said I hear this movie's supposed to take place in the same universe as oh, Unbreakable, Unbreakable. Okay, yeah so like that was that was the one thing I knew and that was the one thing we weren't supposed to know until yeah. the end because like so. I went in knowing it too because I when I came out first because the sites I kind of frequent I was like all these videos like oh the ending of Split explain I'm like fine whatever okay. okay and then the next day it was like Shaolin confirms Unbreakable two is next movie's making and I was like. Mm, two and two four there i think but wow so i ended up not knowing for sure that was the twist i think Uh that's probably the twist because that kind of makes sense in a dumb way i think my main issue is this is that it's billed as a horror film Mm -hmm. and i think the actual concept is kind of interesting Mm -hmm. and mcavoy does the best he can with it and it's interesting on that level 
there's almost no tension in this until the last yeah. maybe 15 minutes Agreed. because they keep the fine the fine the start is fine because you don't know what's happening and you're following these three girls mm. or well one girl in particular and it's all from their point of view so that's fine it's just McAvoy being scary and weird and the different people grand but as soon as you start following him and showing his day-to-day life and showing mm. him with his therapist every ounce of tension is gone yeah, there's there's yeah. no sense of building dread there's no sustained threat it's all just evaporates instantly which makes the middle kind of hour just this weird pseudo comedy of yeah. them trying to escape and constantly failing yeah but yeah. never being punished for it too severely and then him just getting slightly more exacerbated but also not and uh. mm, agreed yeah but then you get to the last half an hour and it goes full it's basically Red Dragon, but a Red Dragon was literal rather than metaphorical. So he goes okay. to a train station and strips off and then just <laughs> becomes like a giant hairless werewolf man. Mm. <laughs> just eats women. So, so yeah. Whatever. Um, that bit's not bad, though. That last 10 minutes, there's some tension. It's basically a typical horror movie haunted house. There's a monster mm. there. I have a gun. Darkness running away. That's all fine. Um, I, I didn't hate it. I just thought it was kind of goofy. And the child voice thing, I'm, I'm sure it's meant to be sort of maybe half endearing half unsettling mm-hmm. it's just kind of amusing because it, yeah. it, it's convincing in that mcavoy commits to all the personalities so well that you buy all of them as different people like they do mm-hmm. feel like distinct characters but it's still just james mcavoy walking around on his knees yeah, yeah with a lisp kind of talking about stupid shit so mm-hmm. it's like eh, it works but it doesn't really have any good i don't know yeah I, I think that, that he he did a great job mm-hmm. but what did annoy me was <laughs> that they sort of that they picked him because he's not a big guy you know like yeah okay yeah. you know I, I couldn't buy it from that point of view like especially so when he james mcavoy when he captures the three girls at first and puts them in a room and two of them are saying like let's let's jump him basically yeah. and the third girl is going oh no he looks like i think he's got a lot of muscle there and it's like no he doesn't i don't know he was he was he was all right looking in the muscle front, muscle front. <laughs> there's well he is at the end when they're like oh no he's slightly larger now <laughs> he's grown a few inches in height yes. we're all dead <laughs> no i like i genuinely sided with the two of them like look he's not that big at least give him a, at least give it a try like you, otherwise you're just you know you, you know you're you're bound to the room. You might as well um, try to get out. So. See, I thought there was a twist there because the way the opening happens with the third girl, he doesn't immediately chloroform her mm-hmm. and yeah. he doesn't seem to notice her. So I was like, is she like a plant <laughs> that he uses all the time for this kind of nonsense? And then it'll be revealed later on that she doesn't want to be and that's why she tried to mm-hmm. escape because he didn't notice her until she opened the car door. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. even when they're in the room and the, yeah, like you said, they're like, let's jump. She's like, oh no. As if to say like, I've seen this before, it won't work. Mm. But then there's nothing that she is just the protagonist then. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh. Yeah, actually that, that really, in, that annoyed me. One of the reasons I think I didn't like the movie so much was because this, the, I think that the, it seemed to be looking down on the fact that the two girls actually wanted to try to escape. <laughs> You'll ruin my movie, guys. Yeah, Just sit pre- down and be quiet. Pretty much, yeah. Like one of the girls is saying, like, "Oh, she's done some um, some self defense classes and stuff like that." And the other, the main girl, is pretty much going, "Oh, you think you think that crap God is going to get us out of here?" <laughs> um, but the, and there's it might. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It might. Yeah. And the, the main character, as much as okay, yeah, my brother pointed out to me after I said this that like, well, she has herself been abused mm. like mm. that maybe her first reaction to being kidnapped wouldn't be to fight it would be to 
can't let it happen. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. I, 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 I do take that point. But I think there was basically two key times when if the girls had worked together, they would have given themselves a good chance to get out. And it annoys me that the movie was pretty much like, oh, but the main character, she's, she's, you know, she's so unique and special and none of the girls around her understand her. <laughs> and and but basically that's the reason that she survives. Where the other girls are actually quite nice and are they're okay they want yeah. to work together and but they they die because of that <laughs> and so it's just like what what kind of message are is the movie sending i don't I also, like it i don't like when any movie <laughs> uses like rape as a sort of shorthand oh, for yes. just character development and also it made her kind of immune to him yeah that's a bit icky but yeah it's weirdly written in that way yeah and Actually, an- another part which I assume was... I'm going to give Shyamalan the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. and assume that he was looking at the horror tropes and trying to turn them on their head. The whole thing of, okay, now take off your shirt. Okay, now take off your skirt. He basically, throughout the movie, he gets the three k- kidnapped girls to continue to take off layers, which is actually, like, no, it's actually just creepy. Like, it's, And I-, I presume it was it was Shyamalan saying, like, oh, look, we're we're look at the way horror movies typically t- try to titillate their audience by having you know the girls uh, scantily clad but it's like no Shyamalan you're just making teenage girls take clothes off for but you like now. what makes you think that <laughs> that was even the subtext like I can't think of anything that gave me the indication that he wanted us to be like oh that's bad okay, I thought he was just doing enough. it no but like, I'm just curious like what made you think that what what's why are you giving him that credit in the first place like what about it made you think I, that it was him going oh bad yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I suppose I don't know. I suppose <laughs> I was just hoping that maybe he's like not just not just a pervert, basically. Yeah, fair enough. I, I okay. don't know. Um, yeah. I guess it was a show that that one personality was all puritanical and didn't like it. Yeah, maybe. But I guess that was it? Yeah. That was because like, that was the other thing where I thought like that's why she has to be a plant because she's immediately like, pee herself. Like, yeah. How would she think to do that unless this <laughs> happened before? But then there's no twist there. The twist is just that nope, she got like raped by her uncle and yeah. uh, she's just a damaged person and therefore immune to him. He can't eat her for that reason. Yeah. Stupid movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, the fact that he got away at the end was immediately me kind of going, oh, this is the Unbreakable sequel. Mm. I, I, just, I thought that scene was so funny because, first of all, who cares? Like, Unbreakable is 15 years old. Mm. More, I think it's oh, actually yeah. 16, 7 years old. It, it's mm. old. No one gives a shit. The time to make that sequel was is long gone. Mm. It, like, I think once Batman Begins came out, your time was done. There's mm. no one making it. Because that was, that was the kind of the preliminary gritty reboot superhero movie not reboot it's a gritty superhero movie it's all realistic and stuff mm. but yeah so that like who cares first of all also I saw on cinema and I could hear the visible titters and the visual kind of what uh, like no one understood yeah. what was happening like I saw it with a friend of mine and she was just like genuinely angry and confused she didn't really? look yeah because she saw Bruce okay. Willis and I was like why am I supposed to know who that is like <laughs> she hadn't seen him break like, who is that and I was yeah. like oh never mind that. but <laughs> the way it's shot even is really funny because it's shot like every Marvel post credit scene because even like the fact that the, the film ends, fades to black, and then you, it's not even like post credits. It's just in the middle. It's just right after it, but it kind of mm. fades up again. And it's in a, it's in a diner, and it's kind of <laughs> going towards a news report, and they're talking about McAvoy and how he's been called the Horde. And then it's like, oh, that's like the guy they locked away 15 years ago. <laughs> she says, practically staring at the camera. He had a funny name too. What was it, Bruce Willis? And I was like, oh, this is this is nonsense. This feels like a parody that you put in a different movie. Yeah. As if, like, oh, look at the fake Unbreakable sequels. Like, oh, this is real. Oh, God. Mm, yeah. And that just means that the new movie, like, at least Unbreakable, it was Sam Jackson and mm. it was Bruce Willis, whereas the next one's going to be two balding white guys <laughs> just, like, happy slapping because they yeah. can't be killed. <laughs> They're all basically impervious to damage. So. Yeah. Ugh. Um. 
I actually thought that the movie could have been improved by just cutting the last like three seconds off it because I'm not sure Bruce Willis. <laughs> yeah, well, basically, like Bruce Willis delivers his line, yeah. and then he just sits there awkwardly drinking tea or drinking coffee with his giant uh, name badge <laughs> pointed towards the camera. It's yeah. like no one remembers who that is. M Knight. No yeah. one knows who that character. <laughs> it's been sixteen yeah. years. And honestly, like anyone who does will doesn't need their name badge. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I can't remember the name of the character from <laughs> Unbreakable. But Apparently, like, I think it was done. I think done. Okay, the name yeah. Bash said in oh, giant font. That that brings back so many memories. Yeah, <laughs> like I vaguely recall Sam Jackson being called Mr. Glass. Like that sounds yeah, vaguely familiar. That's, yeah, it's a memorable name. <laughs> yeah, I remember he had you know brittle bone disease yeah. or what was the drama thing bonitis. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was just disappointing. Mm. Like the one bit I think I really enjoyed was when. Like, the psychiatrist character was good. I thought it was interesting. Mm. And she had a decent arc until she was suddenly killed. Yeah. Um, you go on. No, Sorry. Go. Well, actually, the one thing that I suppose, yeah, I was sitting there trying and anticipating what the twist would be mm. um, was the fact that it was, it happened under a zoo. Was that, like, supposed to be a twist at all? Like, was that just a thing? That was, I forgot, but that <laughs> was very weird as a reveal, yeah. That, but, but it was like an active zoo. Yeah, As yeah. I assumed it was some abandoned hospital or something. <laughs> but then when they're leading her at the end, they're leading like by a live tiger. Yeah. Like, what the f- what? <laughs> like, if for a minute I was wondering were they going to do a Life of Pi kind of thing where it was like, the animals were the humans, on the, anim- <laughs> the humans were the animals all along. But Or like, like he no. would be a tiger in a cage or something. Yeah, so, that would have made well, some yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I mean, the fact that he was supposed to, for some reason, I don't even understand why the sudden jump to like, oh, he can embody all types of animals. It's like, well, it was people a minute ago. What's Wait, did they say that? Oh, I, I don't even know. <laughs> maybe, I'm just, maybe I'm just assuming things now. But I thought the point was like, uh, he was, you know, basically he was like, yeah, yeah. It was like he was the like next animal type thing. Was the zoo necessary at all? No. Like, no. <laughs> I didn't. That was actually very confusing. Yeah, I, that, that confused me too. I don't know why that was there. But yeah, so I liked the psychiatrist character and I really enjoyed the bit when she, because she knows that the personality visiting her, because she's getting emails mm. kind of saying, help us, like yes. something's gone wrong, basically insinuating that the bad personality has taken over. But whenever they arrive for the actual therapy session, it's always fine. And mm. she eventually cops on that it's actually just one of the bad ones impersonating one of the other ones. So it's like, it's two levels of McAvoy acting, which is kind of good and mm. impressive and nice. Yeah, and yeah. You can kind of see the nuances to it and it's good. But the scene where she knows that, she's trying to get him to admit who he is. Like mm-hmm. that was really good, and this the idea of the hierarchy of how the personalities work. Mm-hmm. Like there's some cool world building stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. But it's such a small part of the film, and it's mm. it's so completely overshadowed by just the stupid stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Building towards unbreakable twists and the constant flashbacks to her past and being abused, which wasn't really yeah, necessary. Yeah, no. She could have just cut herself a bit, and then like you didn't need to see her yeah. getting groomed and like a small child basically being assaulted we didn't see any of that yeah you yeah. could have li- literally just mentioned that she cuts herself and is depressed or something and that mm. could have been a- that's enough n- damage shielding yeah. surely than having a rape by your uncle like uh, it's just yeah. Uh, yeah i don't know like everyone is saying it's great it's really good and i just don't know that it is it's mm. it's not tense it's not intentionally funny it's not yeah that exciting like, i think i think the last half an hour is fine but mm. that's about it yeah so what would you recommend of anything we talked about so far? Uh, I think it's been a very negative one this time around. Uh, Jackie um, sounded good. Yeah, yeah, no, I, w- I would definitely recommend Jackie. Um, also, I mean, I'd say, like, see Denial. Like, I, mm. I know I 
kind of came down a little bit harshly on it, but it's it, like it is a really good movie. You see Lion as well, I'd say. Like I thought they were all all decent movies, even um, just to make your own decision. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, out of the ones I reviewed, I wouldn't recommend any of them really. Um, if you like brainless stuff, Underworld <laughs> or as a deal are fine. We didn't review it. We'll review it next one probably. But Lego Batman's pretty good. <laughs> That that's a fun time with positive female characters <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Uh so will you go see the split unbreakable crossover film? Probably. <laughs> yeah. I just don't know. Like Bruce Willis doesn't care anymore. Oh what, no, what he can doesn't. They do? No. Uh like he's, he's terrible and everything. <laughs> yeah. And it just seems like he's so angry. Mm. It, like in I don't know, just life. In, yeah, in life basically. <laughs> no, like uh, it's not gonna be it wouldn't it's not gonna be fun, but I'm gonna see it because I I'm a sucker, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the hype machine works. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that's us after what we thought would be a very short one being a quite long one. All right. So yeah, this is to go to Adif, uh, check out whatever seems good to you. I, I I would recommend based on what looked good to me, probably Catfight, Lady Macbeth. Uh, if you like David Lynch, there is going to be what promises to be a hopefully not terrible David Lynch documentary, which must be him smoking a lot, I imagine. But um. Yeah, and definitely listen to some interviews that we'll have going up on the site in the next little while. Or there'll be previews and probably reviews. Some of which will be by myself and Sarah, I think, I'd assume. Mm. Yeah, you're reviewing. What are you reviewing? Oh, uh, Unless. Yes, and I'm reviewing without name. So go see at least some of those. Happy Trump world. (laughs) Praise Trump. Oh no, the freedom stick has returned. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's time to go back into our cage. Oh, yeah. The cage in the zoo where James McAvoy lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Good well. night, everybody, Good I night. guess. <laughs>